0: It's the Danger Gnome podcast for early October 2019. Welcome to the Danger Gnome. We have Gary Crandall, who just retired from a 35-year career as the race director of the Schwamigan Fat Tire Festival. I ask Adam Blake about gravel race tires. Then we talk with fatback pro mountain biker Liz Sampy about her upcoming expedition to traverse Pakistan, India, and Nepal by fat bike and packraft. Up first, we have the legendary Northwoods mountain bike ringmaster, Mr. Gary Crandall. Right after this. So I heard you
1: need a fat bike? Come to Zion Cyclery in Zion, Illinois. We have all brands Trek, Borealis, Salsa, Felt,
2: Surly, and more. Yeah, we have all the cold weather Gears by 45
1: North and Bantrigan. Keep those fingers and toes nice and toasty. We fix bikes also. So, you have any problem brakes, gears, suspension? We have the best mechanics in town. So, yeah, visit us at sciencecycle.com.
0: You're tuned to Fat Bike Fat Radio. Please welcome to the show the race director of the Schwabing Fat Tire Fest for thirty plus years, Gary Crandall.
3: Actually, it was thirty-five, uh, GoBenz. You know, but, right uh, on. And now but, I'm the now I'm the former race director. So, right,
0: yeah. right. And you just retired from that position. Thirty-five years. Hokey smokes. That's
3: amazing. That's, that was more than half my life.
0: <laughs> the better half, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, actually, it was it was quite quite great. It was uh, it was a nice run for for all those years, and it was a good thing I got that job because when I w- moved to Northern Wisconsin, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do for a living, and I just kind of was in the right place at the right time.
0: That's that's a good thing. I actually met you in person for the first time at my friend Bill Schneider's wedding. He wrote in, yeah. he wrote in and uh, did the essay for he and his betrothed to get into the race. That's right. And they were married on the big stage, and uh, the reception was right behind the then Telemark Lodge, the open Telemark Lodge.
3: Back in the last century sometime or thereabouts. You know, and if I had to list a a top 20, possibly a top 10 things that happened in all those years I ran the Shawmigan. Uh, having uh, Bill and Susie get married at the finish line was certainly one of them. And I bumped into her uh, after the race this year. She was up with her daughter. They were having a great time, and it, it really was nice. I got to spend some time with them.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Then their son, I think, is oh, maybe looking at college. So
3: I believe so. Son, I believe so. Yeah. So
0: my first question is. Which What came first, the Shaquamma Mamas or the Shawamigan Fat Tire Fest?
3: Oh, that's a good question. Actually, the Shaquamma Mamas came first, and um, that was our – so going back to the late 70s, um, I I went to school in Madison, uh, lived in Madison. I'd moved around all my life uh, because my dad had worked for Montgomery Wards for so long. And I went to school in Madison, and I said I was never going to leave Madison. And uh, I ended up going to school, graduated, hung out, uh, was there for about 10 years. And then uh, one day, sitting in the Crystal Corner Bar, I'm talking to my associate, just uh, kind of a business associate, Phil Van Valkenburg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Phil's Mr. Bike in Wisconsin and started the Yellow Jersey. And, and Phil and I both said we were finally leaving Madison, but we didn't know each other well enough to say where we were going. And, um, that was the last time I saw Phil at the crystal corner bar. And the next week I bumped into him at telemark. Uh, he had moved up to, uh, start working with Tony wise and I'd moved up. I'd kind of followed my heart and moved up into the woods with a good looking artistic, uh, woman who became my wife and mother, of my children. And, uh, the Shawama Mamas started riding bicycles in the late seventies because Phil was a guy that got people out on their bikes. So,
0: so I I had no idea that Phil was a was a was a Schwama Mama. That's
3: crazy. He was one of the original Mamas. Yeah, I, I have uh, actually I I posted a picture of the 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 predecessor of the Shawama Mamas bicycle club was the Cable Beer and Gear Brigade. <laughs> And I have a great picture of them, and this was in the early 80s when we were about to do our first Firehouse 50, back when the Firehouse, the Grandview Firehouse 50 started. Nobody's got a helmet on. Nobody had any lycra on. Uh, We barely had bike shorts. I think maybe Phil was the only one that had anything that resembled bicycling shoes.
0: I see a lot of jeans in those old pictures, yeah.
3: That's right. Yeah, and we were just a bunch of people that uh, got out and rode on Thursdays, and the Mamas, uh, Cable Beer and Gear Brigade became the Mamas on one ride. We were trying to think of a new name, and somebody blurted that out, and it stuck, and, and uh, we've been riding um, in the Northwoods around Cable and Hayward and Seeley for over 40 years now.
0: That's fantastic. And, yeah, uh, a great group. And how did then that group along with whoever else start the Schwamigan Fat Tire Festival?
3: Well, it, it, the guys that started the event and contrary to very popular belief, I did not invent the concept. I actually got involved in the second year I wrote in the very first year, 1983. And I have no recollection of other than knowing the guys that were putting on the race, um, uh, of having anything to do with it. But, uh, Everybody had been associated for at that time uh, over ten years with the American Birkebeiner because uh, four of the five uh, people that uh, uh, came up with the concept the first year uh, worked for Tony Wise, knew mm-hmm. the Birkebeiner, knew uh, of the growth of cross-country skiing and how it started, and how it um, you know was ripe for attracting people to large special events that were well were well run and. Tony, uh, Tony Wise was the king of hospitality. He may not have made any money on anything that he did, but people liked coming to Tony's races because he was real big on customer service and the experience and the fact that it's a citizen's event nice. and honest to God, somebody said one day, how about a bicycle race on the Berkey trail? Cause mountain bikes had just started to show up in the Midwest.
0: Sure. That was really early. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was, it was as e- e early as that, uh, as simple as that. And these guys uh, had some experience running a the race. They put it on the first year, 27 riders in wow. the first year. Wow. And uh, I hadn't, I'd never done a lot of events, but I had just bought a, one of the early production stump jumpers from my buddy Doug Cruz. Right. And Doug was uh, the image on our, on, on our event logo for many, many years until it was rebranded. And I rode that uh, 83 Stump Jumper in the 83 uh, Shawamigan Fat Tire Festival, along with 27 other people. And then, as a self-employed guy, with uh, seasonal downtime on my hands, this Mm -hmm. is kind of a feast and famine economy up here, uh, and I knew how to type, and I could write a decent letter, I said, sure, I'll help out. And so from 82 to 2018, I, I directed the event. Very cool. Yeah, it just kind of—I stepped into it, uh, learned it on the fly, learned from some of the best people who'd run events. I mean, Phil had started many events and run many events. Tom Kelly, who worked for the U.S. Ski Association for almost forty years, Mike Cooper was a timer. Um, you know, the guys we worked with all had great special event experience, and and I, by osmosis, I kind of absorbed it and.
0: An incredible support. You know, support running events the, and having what's that? As I said in, in, incredible support from the entire community up there. The volunteer base that seems to turn out for oh, yeah. for the races up there is uh, is impressive.
3: Well, you know, uh, Gomez, people in this community, uh, it's a lot of uh, small businesses that are run up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a, a an excess of uh, entertainment. I mean, we don't go off to places like they do in the cities. Uh, we make our own entertainment, and that entertainment is uh, having people come to the area and enjoy, uh, you know, enjoy the the wooded forest that we have, the the just the playground, the trails, whether it's skiing or biking or snowmobiling or ATVing or whatever we're doing. Um, we kind of make our living up here by people coming to the area and having a good time and then coming back another time. And, and certainly the Schwamegan was a good example of picking a time of year. It was mid September. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the rolling up the sidewalks time in Northern Wisconsin, at least before mountain biking came out. Sure. And then of course we all learned that mountain biking was such a great sport to enjoy in late summer and September and when the trees are turning. And, and all right, that used that to be developed.
0: used to be that was mountain biking season because we weren't, we would we all rode road bikes in the summer and who right. wanted to go into the woods when all those mosquitoes were there. So you kind of waited exactly. until fall. Yeah. But now
3: exactly. That's another reason we picked September was, it was the bugs were dead and there was accommodations available. I mean, you wouldn't want to have an event on the Fourth of July because everything was booked.
0: It can't be because of the of the good weather. Because oh my God, you're that race, dude. That race is just known for very the memorable days, <laughs> the monsoons that that happened uh, in conjunction with that race, and the the temporary lakes that form at the bottom of all those perky oh, yeah. hills. Uh, well,
3: the, 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 uh, the positive report when it would rain a lot was, I'd always say dust will not be a problem. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bring your water wings. Yeah. You know. Don't
3: wear your white cycling <laughs> this weekend, you know, that's, yeah. Well, so it, it, um, it really, um, community support, industry support, of course, uh, just our whole region is such a cycling, um, you know, Mecca is a, you know, overused word, but, and look how Canva developed out of that. The oh, Canva yeah. trail decision. Absolutely. decision. and Fat Tire gave Canva their first thousand dollars. And, and, uh, when we first sat down and met and let's go out and raise some money and do some good. And they've done great things for the last 30 years. And then, oh, yeah. and the, then look at fat biking. I mean, then all of a sudden you weren't just riding in the summer. And riding in the summer and riding in the fall, all of a sudden you were riding year round, other than maybe gun deer season.
0: Right on. Yep. But cool. you rode you rode in the winter time before fat bikes, didn't you? Oh, you're in such uh, a skiing very area. Very little. Yeah.
3: Not much. Not much. There there was there was this, first of all, it was tough having equipment that worked out right. there because a sure. mountain bike wasn't the best thing to to use on a. Uh, a forest road, but you don't have um, bad,
0: really bad snow years like the lower part of the state has. You know, you're you, you're although you know sometimes even the Berkey doesn't get run. I think it happened once at least. Uh, you
3: can usually you have reliable snow. snow in the winter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is good. Well, for the, the thing, fat thing that now. thing that really grew that was um, you know when when they started servicing the fat bike. Um, Needs and, and uh, entertainment that we got they, when they started grooming trails. Right. I mean, Canva yeah. started grooming trails, and what's more fun than to go on an off-road trail that's been packed down hard, smooth, and ride your fat bike? Huh? No doubt, yeah. And you I guys, mean, that's super fun,
0: yeah. And you are a, a fat biker. I see you have a, a robin's egg blue Trek Farley.
3: Yep, got the Farley, like the Farley, and I'm actually. Uh, I haven't actually haven't ridden that much in the winter. Although mm-hmm. now with my retired uh, big riding streak I got going, right. I gotta yeah, keep it going. So the d- first thing I'm gonna have my wife uh, gift me with is a nice set of uh, studded tires, so I uh, so I can still get out on the roads and the trails when it's icy and and uh, keep riding.
0: Right on. Yeah, and, and you are you started with a uh, 30 days of cycling which has turned into 175 days of cycling.
3: Actually, that, today will be 179, not 179.
0: <laughs> That's 179.
3: 179, awesome. yeah. I'm closing in on a half a year, which is pretty interesting. Now, a lot of people have ridden their bikes like continuously. I mean, people at urban bike commuters and and sure. uh, yeah, people I'd, that use Two wheelers is transportation. So it's not a huge streak, but for me, a guy who was in the cycle industry who admittedly had more bikes than he actually rode. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was getting ready to retire, and people would say, Well, what are you going to do with your free time? And I'd always, to answer the question, would say, I think I'm going to ride my bike more.
0: And, <laughs> That's uh, a good answer. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And it kind of turned out that way. And I've gotten, uh, I've really uh, rejuvenated my passion for, for cycling and, and rotating the bikes that I'm riding and rotating the rides that I'm taking. And like today it started out raining today. It was not a pretty day, but uh, gotten pretty good at looking at the radar and saying, you know, about two o'clock today, I think I'll be going for a ride. That's exactly what I'm going to do.
0: You know, uh, I use an AccuWeather feature, which is MinuteCast, and it'll tell you if it's going to be dry for the next 120 minutes in your specific area. I'm going to look that up. So I I use that quite a bit where, yeah, I, I know I can get back and do my regular Bandito ride here in two hours. So. Not that I would melt, and not that I haven't gotten caught in the rain, but... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah.
3: Well, it's less (laughs) clean up if you're riding when the roads are dry. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, I think we've covered almost everything on my... Oh, no, I have one one last thing. Is uh, Do you have, like, you mentioned that uh, Bill and Susie's wedding was in your top ten. Do you have a favorite... Moment or a uh, or your favorite story from the from your years as the race director of the Schwamagen Fat Tire Fest?
3: Well, you know, right up there, Gomez. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention the time that Telemark was still open. It was a thriving entity, and we were working out of the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And I and I looked out. I looked out the door, and there was that uh, that guy in the Z jersey. When LeMond showed up in oh, 1990, yeah, you know a number of his buddies had come up. Uh, 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 Jeff Bradley, Mark Fries, one of our early champions, was an old training partner of lacrosse uh, from lacrosse of of, of mm-hmm. And I'd kind of heard that he was coming, but you never know until you actually see him. And I remember when I first laid eyes on Greg LeMond, and I thought. I think we hit the big time here because that, that, I mean, here he'd won the tour de France, um, three times. And the Shawamigan was the first mountain bike race that he ever did. And what a gracious guy, what a gracious guy. I mean, he walks in and grabs his wallet. He's going to pay me for his entry. And I said, I think we got this one covered. And, and, uh, he really brought a, a good media attention to the event and, and, and we were growing anyway. But when people like that show up to your event, a non-cash event, no no cash prizes, mm-hmm. you know, not a sanctioned event, um, that was a that was a pretty cool thing. That was something I, I'll, I'll always remember. And he still comes up here to ski and I haven't seen him biking for a while. But
0: that's pretty cool. I'd
3: say that's I'd say that's a top story.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that. And uh, yeah, thanks for bet. taking time out of your day to chat with us on the Danger Zone podcast. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure, sir. We'll have to go. Thanks ride. for
3: calling. Yeah. We'll have to go yeah, ride sometime. sometime when you're up. Give me a buzz. Give me a buzz. I, I, I know some places maybe you don't know. And, and nice. uh, if you ever want to chat again, I got, uh, I don't have to be, uh, prompted too much to come up with some other Shawamigan stories. So I'm glad that glad to always talk about the history of that event.
0: Right on. Well, let's talk, uh, maybe as the, uh, build up of the fat bike Berkey comes, I'm going to race the fat bike Berkey this year.
3: Well, I might even be tempted to do that, although I certainly enjoy parking cars as a volunteer, so I'm gonna have to I'll have to think of that. But uh, yeah, maybe if I get those studded tires, I'll be ready to rock in that. Right on. All right, all Gary. right, buddy, thanks for the call.
0: Take care. Bye bye.
3: All right, bye. That
0: was Gary Crandall, the race director of the Schwamming and Fat Tire Festival for thirty five years. Next up on the show, we've got Ask Adam. Hey buddy. Hey, how's it going, man?
4: Good, brother. How are you?
0: Uh doing good. I got this uh this new test bike and we are uh Yeah. We're we're on the air for the Danger Gnome podcast. This is the Ask Adam segment and today's question comes from a young man, well an old man from uh Aslan, Wisconsin. <laughs> who just uh <coughs> excuse me, threw a stroke of luck and being a silver-tongued devil has a new uh, bear claw bikes. Bo Jackson in the garage, and I took a ride on it yesterday, and it uh, it blew my. I, I did. I just took it on my regular gravel ride, so I've been using this Wahoo Element Rome, and yes. it's hooked up to the Strava machine, so the, I have regular Strava segments that I do, and it personal bested all the three segments in this gravel section that I rode yesterday. Yeah. So that's,
4: that's a cool bike.
0: Super road, racy feeling, and it's got giant tires on it. And, you know, I'm, I'm just like your typical customer that would come into world of bikes, world of bikes, where you're, we uh, were, you're one of the powerful bike wizards there. And, uh, I'm like, well, I just got this bike, and I've got these Coronados, and they feel great, and they're big, and they're yeah. burly, and they can do everything, but I'm going to do this race, and I'm looking for something that will maybe be a little more racy. Sure. So went to, you know, I I, I know that TerraVale and Tureen both have tires, and I remember the tires that you had on your bike, I remember what they look like. I'm looking for something with some edge knob, but not a lot of knob in the middle.
4: Yeah. What does the Coronado not do for you?
0: Look smaller. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm,
4: it's 27.5 by 3, right?
0: It's 29 by 3.
4: 29
0: by three. Yeah. So these are 29 inch rims and with a 27, they're the I nine trails. So they have a 27 millimeter inner dimension, right? Their website says 2.2 to 2.5 tires. I have a three inch tire on there right now. So there's, there's a sizable amount of, uh, one one of the things that, that I would say is they don't roll up from a stop as quickly as a smaller tire would. Um, So, I just don't think that uh, I I want to be able to in dry conditions to be able to train on that tire and then move to another tire that takes me to that next level. <laughs>
4: yeah, isn't that what we're all looking for.
0: You know, new levels of maybe crashing because I put on stupid bear tires. <laughs>
4: right. Um. So twenty nine. So
0: uh,
4: we have a. Uh... There's, like, an a intention thing that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the 29-plus um, world, you know, everything, most everything is 3-inch. Is um, and it's designed for, you know, mountain biking. Right. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily... Uh, the best gravel tires. You know, um, 27 and a half plus has kind of adopted a few more uh, gravelly tires. Um, one tire that I know I've mentioned to other people um, and have actually uh, used myself is the uh, Maxxis Chronicle. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's really necessary what you're looking for. It's not a real high side knob um, kind of, you know, kind of tire. It's, uh, and we're still talking in the 3-inch realm. We haven't even dabbled in what's narrower.
0: Yeah, I'm know. thinking I'm thinking a tire in that 2.4, 2.2-inch range. I think, it's,
4: gonna, yeah. I think you're still going to deal with intention, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, people that are running 29 by 2.4, 2.5, are riding big all mountain bikes with DH casing, you know, and and super aggressive knobs and things like that. You know what I mean.
0: What about the uh, what about an Elwood or a or a or a Sparwood or a
4: sparwood Biggest Sparwood you're going to get is a two point two. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a small tire on a twenty seven internal, but probably work um you know um Maxis icon in a 235 mm-hmm. might not be a bad option all right uh again though i don't know if that's answering your question as far as like a smooth center with high side knobs. you know what i mean
0: all right so what what tire are you running on your cutthroat
4: i run a sparwood okay But I run like a 24 internal rim, you know? Right. And while three millimeters doesn't seem like a big deal, we're only ranging from, say, 20 to 30 in total range, usable for what we're dealing with. So, three, you know, that's 30% of our range right there, you know what I mean?
2: Sure. Um,
4: So, it's it's an interesting dynamic Uh, as we're seeing these bigger, tired. Gravel bikes, you know, or all adventure bikes, whatever we want to call them, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing some companies like, I think Caravel, kind of leading the way with with multi use traction, multi use tread designs, and in, in different volumes. You know what I mean, right? Uh, because the sparwood, you know, what I, what the reason I gravitated towards the sparwood was. I really liked how the Cannonball, uh, another Teravel tire, uh, performed in the 38 to 42 range, mm-hmm. but I was running a cutthroat and wanted a, more volume.
0: Gotcha. You know?
4: um, so, cutthroat only cleared the 2.4, so I needed to leave. You know, a 2.2 two seemed like a hot spot because I kind of left a little room for mud and and whatever else you're going to get into, you know what I mean? Right,
0: and gnomes.
4: And gnomes, right. <laughs> you suck one of those up in your wheel, you're happy for some tires there.
0: There's also a Bontrager tire that intrigues me. Yeah, the, the XR. XRO.
4: Uh, yep. Um, they do. That's a pretty, you know, I have some beef with Bontrager when they changed the name from uh, Chupacabra in their 29.2.3. <laughs> you know, I thought that was one of the best names. People have uh, such a, history,
0: such a. People getting a tizzy about the names. Why? Yeah, Why I did you take away really my favorite name and right, change it I to this? That
4: was really, one of the best names that existed in. Uh, yeah, you know, existed in tires, like just you know, the goat bloodsucker, right?
0: Yeah, and that is that is a that is a kick ass tire. I just spent the whole summer on a set of those, and
4: right, you probably rode them on your eleven twenty,
0: right? And that tire didn't do anything that I didn't love, you know. But still, if I was going to go do a metric century that included gravel roads, some you know just parts, it's punctuated with parts where a mountain bike tire would be nice, and then lots of flowy you know, gravel and roads. I, I want something smoother, smaller, lighter that is going to give me that extra mile and a half per hour on the smooth parts.
4: Right. Yeah. Um,
0: I've yeah, turned into you're... a racer boy.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> You know, that's a, that's a little bit out of my... Uh,
0: but I don't want to fall down a lot.
4: <laughs> right, nobody does.
0: No zip, uh, no zip boom, but a little uh, shimmy, shimmy, cocoa bop is just fine.
4: Yeah, this is, you know, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, generally, my intention or uh, uh, a thing that I value in higher... Um, uh, for me, mm-hmm. speed is usually not a concern. A tire is not making or breaking uh, my, you know, my ability to enjoy. Right. Bikes that
0: whatever. I hear you. I would, I, I've I lived in that, in that in that ballpark, you know, for a long time, but always kind of favored moderately knobbed tires that will give me a little bit less rolling resistance rather than the full on. Because the amount of time that you need supernar tread not super high is is pretty small. It's less than five percent of your riding.
4: Right. Um, you know. I think the other. I think another thing to consider uh, beyond size and volume is is makeup of the tire. You know, mm-hmm. one twenty TPI versus sixty TPI. Certain durometers of rubber are more applicable to mountain than they may be to gravel. You know, we're seeing softer and softer tires in mountain because traction is the premium, right? Well,
0: so traction
4: jobs is probably not coming from in gravel. Volume is giving you your traction. You know,
0: so light and supple—that's uh, that, what I would. That's what I would yeah. lean towards. Is for
4: sure. Uh, are you running that durable Coronado?
0: I'm not sure what, what came on I, I think they're light and supples and they're black walls on the on yeah. the bike. And they they feel uh, you know, I've had one ride on on that bike, but obviously they're rolling just fine because, you know, I was going fast.
4: Right, right, right. Yeah, they're not uh failing you necessarily, No, but not you at what other things exist.
0: And I we've we've reviewed that set of tires kind of exhaustively and Come away with nothing but great things to say about it. Um, Right. Seth Seth Bell, you know, swears by it, and that guy rides a ton of chunky gravel.
4: Yeah, it would have been one of my first ones that I pointed you to. Uh, I think a sleeper that you don't see a lot of, but it's, and it may be kind of a little bit of a heavy tire, but I know good things about their their mountain tires on gravel would be like the Vittoria Bombaloni.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that's.
4: But I—that's a twenty-nine plus tire, still, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Right on, and um, man, the—it's—they're not available everywhere.
4: Right, not available everywhere. H- hard to get a hold of sometimes.
0: Right, you have to just find the right distribution channel, et cetera.
4: Right, right, and you know, just not distrib- not distributed by. The-
0: Whereas those Bontrager tires, I mean, you go.
4: You know. Everywhere in Wisconsin, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, where I am, that's you know, I can get anything with uh, from truck dealers because that seems to be what I'm surrounded by.
4: Right, you know, there is a uh, there is a Nard, the Sterling Nard, twenty nine plus.
0: Ooh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, that's that's a good point, and I have and I have a pair of those. Hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah, um, they're they're.
0: Talk about slip sliding away or, or the yeah, shimmy, shimmy, cocoa fur, bop kind of, yeah, if it gets right. wet, I'm going if, to, if it's wet or, or, you know, I get reports that there's big puddles and whatnot. I think I'm going to roll with the Coronados. But if we have a nice dry spell and, you know, it's more hard packy, I'm going to be looking to move into tire X.
4: Right. Um, you know, I, I would, uh, I mean, here's another facet to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've been on 29-plus platforms before, so you're aware of tire pressure. And obviously, being as akin to fat bites, you know what tire pressure even a pound or two can do to the performance of a tire.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I know right where I want to be with off-road and on-road for that 29.3 tire.
4: Right. Uh, but you may challenge yourself in your notions of, of pressure and and dabble in a little lower, or a little higher, because again we're dealing with such volume that like one psi may make the difference between flipping out on a steep climb or biting on a steep climb. Mm-hmm. And overall, you know, it, is that where you pick up speed? You know, it's not necessarily the rolling. Um, when you're just pedaling down a flat road, but it's like, how does it does it climb more effectively, or or this or that, you know what I mean? Can you descend faster because you're more confident? Uh, you can pick up a lot of speed, so to speak, um, being more efficient in those areas rather, maybe in in conjunction with a faster rolling tire. But sometimes that's that's where it is. You know, it's it's not necessarily what you pick up on the flat what you pick up in the other
0: spot. And this course is is rolly. You know, it's it's Wisconsin kind of hills where if you can carry your mow down, you're going to get two-thirds of the way up the next one. Right. So, well, we might have just saved myself a few shackles there and I might just be, uh, I'm probably in that 80% chance of running the tires that came on it. But in my mind, it just seems like more tire than than this specific race task calls for, you know, and I'm.
2: Sure, I, think, I
4: think there's some consideration, too, like if a bike, if a bike is, desi- you know, like Krampus, let's take Krampus, for example, mm-hmm. you know, designed around a 29.3 tire, right? Right. So you see people that put on two fours and two fives on the Krampus. Does a Krampus. With a two four or a two five handle and steer and accelerate like the Krampus is quote unquote intended to
0: right because you, know I mean? you could change the bottom bracket height by it's I don't know as much as height, half an inch or so teacher, probably
4: you're going to change the head tube angle slightly,
0: mm-hmm. sure
4: you know um, so I I think there's a you know I get into this a lot so cut let's go to Mm cutthroat. I get a lot of people that are like, I want to go faster on my cutthroat. I just had this conversation with a good friend and he's put on Maxis Rambler 45 and he's like, I want to go faster. And and basically my response at this point is it's it's not possible. You know, this is a bike designed for all day adventure, not to be a speedy racer bike. Mm -hmm. So geometrically, The bike doesn't intend for you to be super speedy on, no matter what tire you put on it. You know what I mean? Sure. Now, and that's not to say that a cutthroat can't go fast. Obviously, it can. Um, But you know what I mean? Is it going to be as fast as a Warbird just to keep in the same company? No. You know, it's not. Um, It's not intended to be as fast as a Warbird. Warbird is a gravel race bike. And I would wonder a little bit, you know, what are the intentions and the direction of a Bo Jackson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it designed to be a gravel race bike or a gravel adventure bike? You know, if I was designing a frame, I take those into consideration, and I make geometric changes to a bike to accommodate adventure or to accommodate speed, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean?
0: When I I got on it, it seemed like it was built for speed. It seemed really road racy to me. Um,
4: See, and I would argue that anyone that's expecting a 29.3 or a 27.5.3 is mm-hmm. not intending for speed. You know what I mean? Because that's mm-hmm. not a fast tire. Mm-hmm. We, we all know that. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I just, I think, I think there's a little bit of balance to be found. You know what I mean? And like, uh, enjoyment in the platform that we're using and an understanding and awareness, which you have of the platform that we're using. You know oh, what yeah. I
0: mean? Yeah. Yeah. This, this bike makes me want to take it to some of my friends like you and say, ride this thing.
4: Oh yeah. I've looked at that like yeah. many times. I had a friend that rides for Berkwan. uh He had their Balthazar or something mm-hmm. like that. Right on. Uh, and, and I really, I was really pretty into that bike. Uh, they do some cool stuff. They seem like a pretty cool company. Uh, they're really into social media and social media presence. They reach out to people who are just good ambassadors versus, like, race winners. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jason, I Jason, Jason the, the man behind the brand, is, uh, is quite the dude.
4: Yeah, I have good things to say about the brand. But I think to go back to your specific question about how to, like, make a Bo Jackson faster, with implementation of a narrower tire.
2: Uh-huh.
4: I don't know, man. Uh, you know, a, a two, four icon, probably my best, probably my best recommendation. If you want to go all the way down that far, I wouldn't go much narrower than a two, four on a, a, 30 mil, 27 mil rim. You know, mm-hmm. I think you're going to, because if we go to two, how flat is that tire? Right. You know, what are we really getting out of that tire? True that. And, and, so much industry-wide, we're so much more aware of tire and rim combination that we ever had before, you know?
0: Yeah. And there's so many more choices too.
2: So
4: well, many
0: that's, more that's a tire that I had not even thought of. So I appreciate it. That's the ask Adam segment of the danger gnome podcast. Adam is, uh, one of the many powerful wizards at world of bikes in Iowa city, Iowa. Stop by, He'll make you a, a wicked cappuccino or pour over.
4: Ah, yeah, anytime.
0: Are you are you are you brewing the kombucha there, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> World uh, of I don't
4: deal with anything fermented.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. What? There's no liquor in it, though, right?
4: I know it still tastes boozy to me. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's supposed to be good for you.
4: It's supposed to be good for you.
0: Kind of like bike riding. Yeah. All right, Definitely dude. Sport. Well, I'm going to no, jump on that Bo Jackson, and I'm going to ride some gravel and some road and some single track on that thing. Hopefully it Hell yeah. doesn't buck me off. <laughs> no, I
4: think that would be great.
0: So uh, that's that's what I'm going to do. Is, it, is your day? Is it your day off, or are you just going in late? It is. Nice.
4: No, nope, day off. One every now and then I get one and I'm gonna go ride my cutthroat with my wife.
0: Right on. Well, you guys have a great ride. Say hello to everybody too, out there, all my amigos out in Iowa City.
4: will do, brother.
0: All right. See you later, man.
4: All right, buddy. All right. See Bye bye.
0: We interrupt the program for a special beach funduro update.
5: I'm here. In SOS. Year? Do you know SOS people? <laughs> because you're going to have to in order to get our message. The
0: uh, we're, we're here in the Cloud Factory music room. There's squirrels outside. It's raining. And I have with me the maestro, Christopher Daisy.
5: Hello. <laughs> is it me you're looking for?
0: Or is it this Lionel Richie, right? Yeah, baby. Oh, man. He still looks exactly the same. I know. It's kind of creepy. It's weird how people uh, mm-hmm. look the same like that after decades. Plastic surgery probably helps. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so, well, he came back from, like, nowhere. His daughter was more famous than he was, and then... Can't keep Lionel down. No way. Uh, the trains are also very popular. Lionel trains. <laughs> but we promised a Funduro update, and... Uh, Chris brought up an interesting point is that this is the third our grand fund our upcoming grand funder beach ride in ball is the third in the series. The first one was just the beach funduro mm-hmm.
5: that was really cool because uh that uh, band shell was a lot of fun to play in uh, my band played we had another band mm-hmm. and uh really awesome beach ride up there in port washington
0: mike Jipes band oh okay I- yeah. And uh, and we had
5: snow the night before, <laughs> <laughs> I and mean,
0: then it turned out to be, like, a really pretty beautiful sunny
5: day. Yeah, it was a little chilly, but fine, and it uh, was that, like, April, I think it was, was right. Yeah, of so course, that's, right. the springtime kicked off with that one, and then we decided that was a lot of fun, we should do another one.
0: And then we had a rodeo funduro, which I had
5: completely blocked from my memory somehow, <laughs> and or... Yeah, that one was country themed. Uh, so we had a good friend of mine, Scott Mears, do his uh, country review. We had some fun activities at that one. It was at the Silver Lake uh, mountain bike trails. Beautiful summer day. Yours truly won the goat roping contest. Indeed, we're pretty proud of myself with with good form. I mean, it wasn't just like well, it wasn't like you were the best of the worst. You were. <laughs> You qualified for the National Go Roping Rodeo that day. Yeah, well, all I did was watch some YouTube videos and practice in the backyard with my kids a couple times. (laughs) Roping the kids
0: (laughs) to get a trophy. It's a good time.
5: Yep. And then so we thought we'd cap it off at the beginning of uh, Fat Bike season with an even grander idea, the Grand Fundural. Uh, We happened to be kind of partnering up with the Illinois Beach Hotel down there that's right smack dab in the middle of all our riding action. So it's like, hey, why not try to go inside the hotel this time and see what kind of fun mayhem we can...
0: And what a surprise when we went inside that hotel of like really how nice it is. It
5: is, yeah. It's uh, the the view you definitely can't beat. It's right out on the lake. most of the rooms, I think, have little balconies, and uh, it's a nice place. It's got a really nice pool. It's got nice workout rooms. It's a uh, little really hidden, hidden gem kind of. Yeah, it's really kind of the, the ideal venue
0: to have mountain bikers, fat bikers, that are married and have kids, bring their whole family with. Sure. And the kids can play in the pool, mm-hmm. uh, the game room, et cetera.
5: Yeah, the overall idea is to try to... uh you know, bring our crowd to the hotel and show them that this is a really cool place to stay even on their own or a little weekend trip getaway. It's close enough to Chicago and Milwaukee to make a day of it or make a couple days out of it, and uh, there's some great riding in this area. I'm really a lifelong uh, fan of Lake Michigan. I've, Mm -hmm. I've grown up
0: along the shores of that lake, and it's always been one of my dreams of things to do is to see the sunrise over Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. and I can probably count on both hands how many times I've actually seen it
5: rise mm-hmm. over Lake Michigan because I like to sleep and stuff. Oh, I try to make it. I'm only a couple, few miles away, and so sometimes it's like, all right, I'm going to hop on my bike and get make it down there. And it's usually a little easier this time of year because it's like 6.30 in the morning yeah. and it's still dark yeah. out. <laughs> it is
0: ridiculously you know, how close you are and you, you know how... In my past, anyway, in my younger years, I never went there. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe in high school, we used to ride our bikes down to Evanston and go to the beach at Northwestern University. But then as an adult, you got WRK, you got kids, you got this or that, and you don't get out there. But my point of all this is that if you stay at that hotel, I will come and knock on your door. (laughs) And we will all go out there
5: and maybe go for a swim. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of fun things we could do. We could do a polar plunge if we uh, feel necessary. It would
0: be more like an otter (laughs) plunge or something, you know, because it would be cold. Maybe a duck plunge. Duck plunge. Just dip your junk in the the lake and then run (laughs) to your room or to the hot tub. These are all bad ideas. You know what I had a really good idea, though, that I probably talked up is chaining people together to – be the icebreaker at – have I shared this idea with you? No. You obviously – you haven't listened to that last show (laughs) because we talked about it, like cutting links of chain, Uh just like screen door chain. Right. You know, it doesn't have to really hold anything. Yeah. Uh, Getting a bunch of padlocks, taking all the keys out of those padlocks. Mm -hmm. When two couples or or every two people – like you don't – you wouldn't be – attached to your wife you would be attached to someone else right (laughs) so you lock those two people together you say go mingle find and here's two random keys right (laughs) they don't work in your lock make sure that they don't work in the or no only one random key because they only have one lock but two chain one two people so and they would walk around to the party and be like hey how's it going uh awkward situation here i'm locked to this this random person over here
5: and uh I think um, if we're going <laughs> to do something like that yeah there's going to have to be some very large prize incentive <laughs> to drive people to want to do it <laughs> well the problem is is it's just going to you know be well and be conversely like, i don't know that diplomacy. you want to start locking different husbands and wives to
0: yeah you don't think that's a good idea
5: um, you think it has too much too much too much bondage i think you're making people nervous yeah i think we should Let's, let's, you know right. what you know what that's a good one for is maybe like the rodeo uh, because that's like an outdoor, outdoor. together. We're not of. at a hotel yeah. where people could get the wrong idea, and right.
0: disappear, and come back three hours later and say, "Who's got our key?" Yeah, yeah. with all of their clothes like bundled up
5: around the locked part. We can't get out except for their bottoms because those would come right off. Oh, yeah,
0: we chain their ankles together.
5: You had talked about this being a family-friendly event. So oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but see, I, I, <laughs> I didn't have dirty thoughts about it. Oh, okay. I
0: was just like, it's a way to get people who are, you know, taught from birth, don't talk to strangers, right? to talk to strangers, to be like, uh, could you unlock me from this dude? Um, my name's Gary, and I like
5: bikes. <laughs> 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 or whatever. Well, but, usually yeah. um, alcohol does the trick, but, you know, whatever so we're not gonna <laughs> so again this is
0: what i said in the last show so we're not gonna do that it's just an idea but we would like you know people to be uh we do we did have somebody that, the reason it came up is because uh patty glines kotecki had said somebody asked her if it's going to be clicky clicky
5: oh no no i mean other than our big fat bike click which is a whole bunch of fun people that are super nice right so I
0: mean, everybody's everybody's got two arms and two legs
5: and puts their pants on or takes them off one leg at a time.
0: Here I go again. This is why people get the wrong idea about me.
5: (laughs) Well, one thing we are going to do, though, is come up with some fun bike-related games to sort of do throughout the ride and have some cool little prizes to hand out for winter chicken dinner.
0: I just brought two boxes of Mm swag. to... uh,
5: So get a swag bag if you, uh, you know, successfully complete a wheelie contest or a derby or jump, right. jump that log or whatever. Thing I'm going. working
0: on a pair of studded tires for the best dressed slash costume at the elegant
5: cocktail party. Ah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, the party is going to be a mix of wear what you want because some people probably come straight off their bikes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. You can wear spandex. You can wear a suit. You can wear Aquaman costumes. I don't care. Yeah. A dinner jacket would be nice. Dinner jackets are cool if you're the right, you know. Tuxedos. Who can pull that off.
0: Um, thrift shop suitage. Yes. Um, you have, uh, you do have a velvet paisley tuxedo.
5: That's what I was planning on wearing. Thanks for spoiling the surprise.
0: Well, I've been, <laughs> I've been, uh, spoiling that surprise since, <laughs> since i've since i envisioned you in that atrium since i walked into that atrium and saw a grand piano oh i know it's weird every time i see you there's a grand piano because there's a grand piano right behind chris right now yes
5: i'm kind of into
0: them is it a baby grand
5: uh this one's an actual grand
0: yeah, yeah. there isn't actually does a baby grand actually come with a baby <laughs> mine
5: did not That's, uh, i have one in the other room though <laughs> a baby or a baby grand. Baby grand, my babies are at school. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, hmm. so
0: what we what we'd really like you guys to do if you're planning on coming is to register. It's free.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you could uh you could actually, you know, well, it's actually I you could have won something, but the reason <laughs> the reason that we we want you to register if you're coming is So that the hotel knows how many hors d'oeuvres to prepare for that party Mm -hmm. and they need to know how much staffing to have on. So right now we have 40 something, 43 people registered Mm -hmm. and we have 315 (laughs) interested. (laughs) I
5: hate the interested button for this reason
0: on the Facebook, (laughs) but it means that they get all our updates. Yeah. Yeah. They're still, they're they're on the fence. So if you're on the fence, one of those people and you'd like to come and you'd like to have a tasty hors d'oeuvre and not have to wait 10 minutes to get a beer and or a cocktail. See, because the, the hotel is going to say, oh, well, you got 40 people. We're going to put one bartender behind the bar. And then if we get 80 people, you're going to wait for your drinks. Right. And the hotel is going to be like... Ah you guys don't know what you're doing <laughs> so uh which which is really kind of closer to the truth, but when it so comes to true. yeah, when it comes to running a cocktail party, we don't know, so that's why the hotel's kind of in charge, but it would be helpful to the hotel if we told them how many people were coming to drink. We've already told them that you all can drink a lot <laughs> <laughs> that they'll literally be amazed at the amount of beer that you guys can drink, so you know the gauntlet's been thrown down.
5: For sure. And uh, yeah, you know, we've um, been doing group rides and fun events like this for some time and then we just keep trying to take it up a level. So hopefully everybody comes out. You don't have to necessarily stay overnight. There's uh, things going on Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday in the Zion area. Uh, Surly is going to come out and do a little pre-party at our shop from six to eight on Friday. What does that What does that entail? I know that uh, I think that's Aaron basically blasting some metal tunes and us drinking some Surly beer. You know, he's
0: a percussionist.
5: Yeah, he's got a rad v- band. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I I thought maybe you guys would uh, you know throw down a little live music.
5: Yeah, nothing's maybe impossible. We'll see maybe you know, like uh,
0: ex uncle unplugged
5: for MTV. Oh, Soft Uncle?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's our our coffee shop version. (laughs) It's that double (laughs) X band that had to practice really quiet and all their songs kind of sound a little
5: hushed. We did a uh, show one time for a friend of Barry's uh, who was like running for some political office and it was like... (laughs) In some hall where we had to like play extra quiet, and it was so hard to do it, <laughs> it was, in the retirement oh, home, man, it was bad oh local guests. have you thought
0: about like having a band when you and i? I'll probably be dead, but you'll be in the retirement home. And like, oh yeah, I can't wait to look like, like a white wizard and like rock out guitar solos when I'm still. in in like depends and or your motorized uh, yes. mobility scooter back and forth on the stage on a rascal <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> doing those spins because <laughs> everything will be cordless
5: Yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: even the corded stuff.
5: <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be fun, and it's you know this is a no pressure. It's so it's not a race. It's a casual, fun ride. We. Sh- ride down the beach and check out the cool scenery. Oh, speaking of which, so there are some protected areas in that park. It's a beautiful park, but part of it is designated as a nature preserve, and they definitely don't want us trotting around through there. So you've got to stick to the beach and stick to the designated bike trails, and we're all golden. Nice. Don't be a rule breaker because they could kick us all out permanently, and we do not want that. So just... uh Mind your P's and Q's when you're on your big old tires and everything will be peachy. When you're out there oh doing the... Is that my uh, landline? That's the landline. Yeah, nobody knows that landline. So hey, would some... you like to subscribe to the Daily Herald? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's going to go on for a little bit. I but... know. Hold on. I'll take care
0: of that. So while Chris is gone, I'll just uh, talk about riding the designated beach on the Surly demo, which starts noonish. I have a question for Chris on that though. So, okay. um, oh, he's Chris is back. Yes, He subscribed to the Daily Herald, by the way,
5: mm. and uh, even I got my car's uh, warranty extended just oh, now. Excellent.
0: <laughs> so the surly demo is that going to happen at the hotel at the beach? Yes, nice. Yeah. Um, so you'll be able to jump on a mm-hmm. sparkly pink ice cream truck, or a you're in the navy now blue. Wednesday. Yep. And ride the beach right from the location and bring it back and mm-hmm. then sidle up to the bar or yourself a cocktail. Maybe, you know, yep. try and find yourself a room because you're already drunk
5: at four o'clock. We'll go wheels down. We'll uh, ride probably to the Dead River if the uh, weather permits. So far, there's been a nice little beach stretch, but if the wind blows in off the east, we'll have to change our plans a little bit. <laughs> but that's fine. There's plenty more to explore throughout the park. Don't listen to this, man. He has no <laughs> idea what he's talking about. I just don't want to put people in danger of washing out to sea.
0: Oh, yeah. Riptides.
5: Yeah. Isn't
0: that isn't that, that guy that throws confetti? <laughs> no, that's Riptor. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Which yeah you'll wish you were in a riptide,
5: but anyway, group riding, and uh we'll probably make our way up into the winter Harbor area that's the north end of the park. Uh, we're going to work out a little food deal with uh timeout sports right. pub up there, so we'll have a bite to eat when we uh, get to our halfway mark and then buzz back to the hotel in time to get the ballroom party started and uh trip, And there, there is- the light fandango.
0: There is a, a a hotel restaurant as well.
5: Yes, so if you want to lay back and not, you know, continue to ride to the other food destination, you can get a nice meal at the hotel, take a dip in the pool, do, right? Do whatever you want. And,
0: Pre-party. Uh, yeah. Put your makeup on.
5: Right. Hang out. In whatever room. you got to do. Cool hotel room with the lake view that you scored.
0: Yeah. Watch the sunset. Oh no, we're gonna watch the sunset from the Dead River, aren't we?
5: Since that'll be, yeah, it'll be setting along the the ride. Oh, so bring a light too, because by the end of the uh, little dinner ride, it's going to be pretty dark out. If you go
0: to that gravel ride, you're going to need a light. (laughs) I speak from experience here.
5: We'll be cruising mostly the town, back streets, and that such on the way back. And bike trail. Yeah, so it'll be somewhat lit if you're like absolutely, oh my God, I forgot.
0: And so you'll be somewhat lit, so.
5: Yeah, you'll be lit. The trail will be lit. Right.
0: So bring a light, (laughs) and a blinky, and a helmet. And adult diapers, if you're in that category. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, we have a huge party. And at that party, we're going to give prizes away. We're going to play music. We're going to drink. I'm
5: hoping. I've got my uh, ace mechanic, who's also a DJ on the side, Uh, Mr. DJ Nice, going to be pumping out some good danceable tunes. So my, my vision for this is the, you know, John Travolta cover that we've got on the poster. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys don't make a Soul Train line at some point in the <laughs> evening. I'm going to be sorely disappointed.
0: <laughs> I have been working on my dance moves. Good,
5: good for reals. Nice. Uh,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got that? You you know, get those video cameras ready.
5: And the next morning, you know, shake it all off. Uh, check out of there. Our shop opens at eleven. We'll have some beverages and food to kind of wake you I up. I think you
0: glossed right over the. Uh, the Hangover Derby, oh, yeah. and the Garage Roasting Coffee Roasters oh, right. coffee.
5: So yeah, wake up in the morning, my good friend uh, Thomas Cray, he uh, roasts the stuff right out of his garage, hence Garage Coffee, but he usually comes to the shop and barters uh, bike parts for it. And nice, he's got a stick.
0: state-of-the-art coffee roasting <laughs> operation in his garage.
5: Yeah, it's pretty cool. So uh, he'll be brewing up some cups, so uh, we'll do a little morning derby. And uh, <clears throat> then it's uh, – hopefully, if conditions are right, I'd love to take everybody through Beulah Park because we've got some new signage up in there. We've got some new trail markers. It's a fun little single-track park. And um, if not, we'll just do wheelies all afternoon or something. Is
0: there any truth to the to the uh, <laughs> rumor that Beulah Park was just a misspelling of named after Ferris Bueller?
5: No, but just about – no one can pronounce it when they see it spelled. <laughs> it's like, what's that, Bueller Park? Boiler. Boiler. <laughs>
0: yeah. I like first Bueller. 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 But then, uh, so brunch, mm-hmm. another ride maybe to the Beeps, maybe to Bueller Park, mm-hmm. and then?
5: Uh, we'll have sales and deals and stuff if you need stuff for your bike, and uh, yeah. we're going to close up at 3, and everybody can go home with their stories of glory and... Adventure. Zion
0: Cyclery is one of the few bike shops I can walk around in and be like, ooh, look at that, ooh, look yeah. at that, ooh,
5: look at that. <laughs> we do have cool stuff in stock, so if you've never been there, we've got, you know. And there'll be, uh, there'll be
0: interesting new stuff.
5: Yeah, we do have some new models, uh, and we carry Salsa and Specialized and Trek and uh, Santa Cruz and Felt felt and uh, a few other oddballs here and there. Nice. So, yeah, that's cool. I'd Fun.
0: like I'd like one of those oddball fat
5: bikes. you, you probably own a couple already. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do. I, I think about buying more all the time.
5: <laughs> I was working on a shirt that says my other bike is three other bikes.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I think I sales. saw a design of that or something somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So register. We'll have a we'll have a little uh, thing in the show notes. Uh we we have sponsors. hmm Uh Surly Bikes is the largest sponsor. We have Forty Five North, we have PDW, Portland Design Works. We've got the Illinois Beach Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the ever-popular Zion Cyclery and the fat-bike.com. Who am I missing? Bikestud.com. Uh, yeah,
5: there were recent. Uh, Surface also.
0: Surface. Yeah. You, you've yet to do the, uh, we've got to make some sort of like alien video for that goodie bag for goodies could sure. come from Surface. Yep. I know we're missing somebody.
5: So if you uh, do register for the event and get a hotel room, we are giving away also a beach cruiser that I customized myself. And you'll automatically get one of these goodie bags if you're a hotel guest. The rest of you will have to earn them through prize wars.
0: Right, unless 50 people register for rooms, and then we'll figure something else out for prizes. (laughs) If that happens, that's a good problem. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because by then, all those free registrations are going to stack up and we're going to cash those in for something. I'm going to I have to
5: print out a million gift cards to my shop. And <laughs> it's going to happen.
0: <laughs> so that's it. That's the Grand Funduro Beach Ride and Ball update for this week.
5: Come have fun with us. We're, we don't bite hard.
0: Much. We're fun people. Yeah, fun on bikes. Mm-hmm. And now, we take you to an interview with Liz Sampy. She's doing crazy stuff, so stand by for more. Hey, we're back, and we have an extra special guest with us. Please welcome to the program outdoor adventurer, fat bike film star, Liz Sampy.
1: Hey, Gomez, thanks for having me.
0: So, do you like Liz, Lizbeth, Elizabeth, Beth, or some <laughs> other derivation of your highly versatile name?
1: Very versatile. Um, I mean, I go by a lot of things. Elizabeth works. A lot of friends call me Liz. I also go by Eliza, or in español, me llamo Elisa.
0: <laughs> See, I knew there was I, <laughs> I knew there was uh, an, an, or an F all of the above.
1: Yes. Totally.
0: So, <laughs> Elizabeth uh, is is getting ready for a little bike tour, starting in Pakistan and heading into the Himalayas across India. And ending 1,500 miles later in Nepal, she's going to be riding fat bikes and pack rafting whitewater rivers with her amigo, Rob Bart. So yeah. that's that's pretty amazing. I, I guess we should <laughs> let our listeners know a little bit about what brought you. Well, tell us about your bicycle life from,
1: okay. you know, from <laughs>
0: tricycle onward or wherever you want to jump in there.
1: Yeah, right on. So I guess just a little background. Um, so I am a professional endurance athlete. Um, I do ultra bikepacking races and I do expeditions all around the world, involving always some sort of bicycle, uh, mountain bike or fat bike, depending on my terrain, and also packrafting, sometimes running, backcountry skiing. Uh, so that's kind of kind of what I do. I also own a coaching business called Vital Motion, uh, where I work with other people also wanting to do adventures, and. My journey actually started in the backwoods of Minnesota. Oh, nice. So I, yeah, I'm in, I'm a Midwestern farm kid. I definitely didn't grow up running up and down mountains or anything like that. I grew up riding horses and riding my bike through the woods. And it really started out with the bicycle being a vehicle for freedom for me. So the farm I grew up on was about 10 miles from the nearest town. And we lived in the woods and there were tons of trails all around. And so my siblings and I would ride our horses and ride our bikes on these trails. And bikes were a lot easier than horses to tie up in town when we wanted to go to the Dairy <laughs> Queen. So, <Nice. laughs> yeah, so that's, that's kind of how my bike adventure started. Um, I started mountain biking pretty seriously when I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Colorado when I was 17, graduated high school and, and shot straight out to Colorado to... In the mountains, I'd, I'd never been there, but I just decided that's where I wanted to be. Cool. Um, and my first, my first mountain bike. My, my dad said, "Do you want you want a car or a bicycle?" Out in college, and I said, "I said I want a mountain bike." And so he got me a TT Outpost. That was my first mountain bike. Cool. Yeah, started started riding out there, and then uh, started. Actually, I didn't start racing until graduate school. I was about twenty four when I started racing bikes, and uh, I'm thirty seven now. So it's been been a long fun road, and uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, nutshell story. But that's how I started out.
0: Cool. So, how did you meet Greg Mattis from Fatback Bikes and become a, a sponsored Fatback rider?
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was living in Crested Butte. Let's see, this was 20, mm, 2013 or twenty fourteen. I think it was winter of twenty fourteen, and I was living in Crested Butte, and I was still racing mountain bikes during the summer. And I was sick of training on the trainer in my house because in Crested Butte, it's winter like nine months of the year or something like that. I mean, not really, but you know. right. It just seems like snowy. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But, you know, I was I was sick of sitting on the trainer. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm a backcountry skier, a ski mountaineer. That's that's kind of my my first love was actually backcountry skiing when I first moved to Colorado. And in Crested Butte, it's really hard to reach kind of the bigger mountain ski terrain without a snowmobile. And he didn't have a snowmobile and I didn't really have any desire to get a snowmobile and I was sick of riding the trainer. So I had this idea that maybe I could use fat bikes to carry my skis on my back and ride out these roads that had snow on them, but you know, were snow machines and access the big mountain ski terrain. And so that led me to contact Greg with fat back mm-hmm. and pitch this idea to him. And I was like, Hey, like, what do you think about me, you know, getting this fat bike and using it to uh, go back into skiing with and, and fat back was into it. And so they sent me a fat bike. And so I started really, I didn't, I didn't really have any, um, any mentors in, you know, what I was calling like bike to ski at the time. So it was a lot of trial and error and a lot of like, you know, packing my bike the wrong way and ending up just digging in my rear tire when I was trying to ride. And, you know, I was posting all this stuff on social media about, you know, what I was trying to do with this bike.
0: You're the mother. And, you're the mother of winter <laughs> biathlon fat bike backcountry skiing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, there was really nobody else doing it, uh, you know, that I knew of. I'm sure, there, I'm sure other people were doing it, right? But, like, I didn't really know. any. So, yeah, I was just kind of making it up. Cool. So, That's awesome. And Yeah. So, like, winter of 2014, I get this call from this guy named Anthony. And he said, "Hey, uh, my name is Anthony."
0: I know like, Anthony. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm like. He's like, "What? What do you? What's the bike? to ski thing that you're doing?" And I told him, well, "You know what it was." And he's like, "You know, nobody else is doing this." And I was like, "Yeah, I can't find any partners." <laughs> and so he told me that he was from the film company called First Tracks Productions, mm-hmm. and he invited me to go and ride for his fat bike film in Iceland. Nice. And.
2: That's yeah, cool. and
1: Fatback was yeah, Fatback was one of the sponsors of the film, and so that next summer, so June I believe it was of 2015, I went with my my Fatback to Iceland to ride for this film that was called Off the Beaten Path.
0: I know I was supposed to I go on been. that trip, <laughs> uh, and oh really? Uh, yeah, we sent uh, Dirty from Drunk Cyclist yep. in my place.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I did not know that. Okay. That's, that's a funny connection. So that's where Dirty and I actually met as well. And he and I are like best friends now. Nice.
2: So yeah, he's cool, the dude. Time
1: in yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's, that's the first time I met Greg. That's the first time I met Dirty. And, you know, we were there for like 10 days and, and filming and, you know, in Iceland it's light all day and all night in the summer. So right. we were just getting after it. And, and so you've met, so you've, much fun. you've met
0: my friend Pass Maje. <laughs> Our mutual friend, Pat yeah. Maje, probably.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yep, such a yep. talented rider. Oh, my gosh, he's amazing. Yeah, that was, that was a fun trip with him. And, and we're, such, we're such different styles of riders. You know, I'm the endurance rider, and he's the trials rider. And, and it was really cool to watch him. Like, he's just yeah. so, so talented. And, you know, you see the things he does, <laughs> and you think, oh, that kid's a nut. But then you hang out with him, and you watch him, and he's so calculated with what he does on a bike. And it's just really cool. And he's such a cool guy. He's also Midwestern. He's from Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. I I live right by where he lives. So, in Wisconsin.
1: Oh, right on. That's awesome.
0: I met him at a ride, just at a group ride. And uh, (laughs) I was like, oh, nice move, dude. And somebody told me later. Oh, yeah. That guy's like, at that time, I think he was like only the sixth time. And now he's like the 10-time national champion in bike trials. I was like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, He probably... Uh <laughs> Does even better yeah, stuff no, than good. that. <laughs> so, yeah, you, totally. you have. So wait, you
1: live? You're in Wisconsin or Minnesota?
0: No, Wisconsin.
1: You're in Wisconsin. Okay, cool. Right yep, on.
0: between uh, between Madison and Milwaukee, out here in the country, as yeah. to land. But uh, yeah, really. n- nobody wants to hear about me, Liz. They want to hear <laughs> about, uh, <laughs> they They want to know about this trip. And so uh, this isn't just a, a fat bike multiple day uh, wilderness tour. It is also a uh, pack rafting. And you, up until recently, hadn't been a pack rafter, but you met rob the whitewater shaman why don't you tell us about the true story of how you met rob
1: yeah yeah so uh so rob and i actually met about five years ago at a mutual mutual friend's wedding so my the bride was my best friend from college and my first adventure partner we met you know like my second day of college and the groom was one of rob's expedition partners kayak partners he's been all over the world kayaking with this guy so
0: I we think I initially
1: met five years ago
0: I think I've seen this on the hallmark channel <laughs> <laughs> this I think they ripped well, your I mean, story off man no, I'm, no I'm, sorry I'm just <laughs> I'm just interjecting humor sorry go ahead
1: no so, no, so that's that's how we met and uh, you know we kind of followed each other over the years a little bit. And then last winter, so I was actually doing some stuff with pack rafts before, mm-hmm. but nothing, nothing that crazy. I was more using them to do, you know, river crossings. And, uh, I did a trip in Alaska with a pack raft where I was running some, you know, class two big water. I didn't really know what I was doing on that trip. I kind of realized that I probably should have died. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm like half joking, you know. It was I fine, know people I was people like, die up
0: there all the time, I, oh, and they they tell stories like, "Oh yeah, we were." I had a small leak in my packraft, and my I couldn't feel my legs, and and it's oh, like, God. "Oh yeah, good."
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I learned how to packraft before that, and it was totally fine. But you know, I just I just realized I didn't have the skills that I really wanted to have to to do what I wanted to do in a packraft, and so so Rob actually contacted me early this winter because he saw that I was doing stuff with pack raft. Mm-hmm. and he's an expedition kayaker. So he's been doing kayak expeditions all over the world. He's got first descent in like 16 different countries, you know, over the past decade plus. And so he was interested in, in my experience with the pack raft and I, I was interested in his, uh, his expertise just in whitewater. And so I headed to the Pacific Northwest this summer and literally have spent, I'm back in Colorado right now, but I spent the summer in hood river and white salmon with Rob training my butt off in the whitewater and basically having him school me on all these skills that I never had before. Nice. So it's been, it's been scary. <laughs> I was definitely captain of the swim team pretty much all summer.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. I hear
1: you there. So, uh, but it was, it was fun. And I actually, I just took a swiftwater water rescue course in, in Durango, Colorado. So that, that was really helpful as well for my confidence.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, Packcrafts have come a long way in a very short amount of time. Why don't you tell us about the rig that you'll be paddling on this adventure?
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, I am an ambassador for Alpaca Patcraft.
0: I, I I'm, I'm an owner say- myself. I have one when, oh, cool. when they only had okay. one model just a couple okay, of God. years ago. So,
1: totally. Ahead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So now they have so many. So I typically paddle one called the Expedition uh, in Whitewater. But for this trip, we're actually taking a a boat called the Forager, and this is actually a two-person pack raft that's meant for hunting caribou or Hmm. running like huge whitewater, like it's run the Grand Canyon uh, with a lot of gear. And so our decision with that was kind of twofold. So because our trip is winter in the Himalayas, we're going to have a lot of winter gear. We're both going to have dry suits. We're both going to have paddles, PFDs, all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So we decided to save space we would take one two-person raft instead of two one-person rafts. And then the other part of that is that the rivers that we're going to be running are pretty huge. And I personally don't have that comfort level to be able to run massive whitewater with a bicycle in my own boat. So that'll allow us to both have the power for paddling those big rapids mm-hmm. and more of Rob's ability to really navigate those. He knows rivers much, much better than I do. So right yeah, we're taking the. I'm feeling
0: a path. little, I'm feeling a little more comfortable.
1: <laughs> like
0: <laughs> I, I, I read your, your, the notes on your trip and I'm just like, this girl's going to die, (laughs) you know, all the kind of like fatherly protective thing comes out. Like, "Ah, are you, are you sure
1: you can do this? Are you crazy? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a little crazy, but you bet. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's possible that I could do it in my own boat, but I mean, I don't know. Like I'm getting, I'm just getting comfortable right now running like solid class three. Um, mm-hmm. but the rivers over there are so big.
0: So and what so, are the ratings yeah, in the river? Or I know the U S ratings one through five and six yeah, yeah. is unpassable, right? One through six. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's the same. Um, so we're going to be running mostly class three. Um, some rapids will be three plus and four. Um, I'm a little nervous about the class four stuff, honestly. I mean, it's still it's still a small boat. Um, you know, we still both have to do a lot of work to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Rob is super confident. So, you know, I definitely wouldn't be confident running classes for my own. Um, and, you know, I definitely trust his judgment in the whitewater. So, well, yeah, class three, four. That's pretty amazing.
0: So, your, your forager boat, is that going to have a full skirt on it? Or is it, is it a self-bailing boat? or? <laughs> okay, I mean,
1: okay, okay, okay. Imagine a two-person skirt
0: oh okay and you're connected (laughs) (laughs) which should which should you know offer a lot of comedic uh
1: (laughs) video clips (laughs) right i know so this does not actually exist we do not have a two-person skirt but (laughs) okay we had a good laugh about this when we were actually discussing this Uh and then you know we're having this like curious discussion and then rob stops and he's like wait a minute that would not work. feel <laughs> like It those, would work you
0: know, comedically. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise no. Like
1: dragon, like those dragon people in the Chinese parades that, you know, have like the ten people, you know what I'm talking about? So <laughs> um. oh we okay, left foot, right foot, left foot.
0: <laughs> so you're gonna have some sort of overlapping, <laughs> shingling type of a. Uh... Skirt that, that works out?
1: Yeah, no, nope. So the boat is a self bailer actually. Okay. Um, so just water just goes is,
0: through, right?
1: Water just goes through, yeah. And uh, we're going to get soaked. Um, but obviously, we're in dry suits. You know, it's Himalayan glacial white water. So we have, we're going to have full dry suits. Um, water will just pour in and it'll pour right back out. Cool. So,
0: and yeah. two bikes in there: one on the yep. front deck and one on the rear deck, or one in the front deck, one in the middle. How's that work yeah
1: i know so so i actually spent a lot of time at alpaca last week um, figuring this out so what we're going to do is essentially put the two frames on the bow mm-hmm. um, basically so when you when you put a bike on a pack raft the seat and the handlebars are facing out mm-hmm. uh, and the fork and the chain stays are facing you as a paddler and your mm-hmm. you know drivetrain side up obviously and so we're going to put both bikes essentially flipped uh, like a like a frame sandwich mm-hmm. and then the wheels are going to go in a wheel stack on the stern. So all four wheels tied on the back and then two frames on the front.
0: Yeah, cool. So yeah, uh, and the gear here's
1: the, – the pack box has a T zip. So all the gear is gonna actually go in the tubes of the rack. So that'll leave a lot of space.
0: Right on. Yeah, that's that's the I don't have that on my boat either, but they did offer it at the time. Gonna kick myself yeah. that yeah, I didn't do that be. now. So, so here's the that, part that every one of our listeners has been saying. I don't care about the boat. Tell me about the damn bikes. So what <laughs> yeah. what kind of, uh, are you are you riding a fatback? Are you, what, tell, tell us all about every bit of your bike.
1: All about the bicycles. Okay, so yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a fatback athlete for a reason. I love their bikes. Um, I've got a Corvus uh, FLT and an extra small, mm-hmm. um, which is a 14-inch bike. And I've ridden that on a couple expeditions now, and that is the bike that I'm going to be riding on the trip. Um, I do have a Lauf fork on the front, and I've had that since the day I got my bike. Um, we are using Schwalbe Jumbo Dim tires, four mm-hmm. inches. Mm-hmm. The, the tire choice is kind of tough because we don't know how much, how much snow we're going to be getting up in Pakistan. You know, it's, it's going to be mid to late November by the time we get up there. Right now it's early October, I think. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and you know, so it's kind of hard to know, like, are they going to be getting a lot of snow? Is it going to be dry but cold? And so, you know, talking with Fuzzy over at Fatback, we kind of figured that those four inch jumbo gyms, you know, they're they're lightweight, they're fast rolling, um, you know, but with the four inches, if we do get a good amount of snow, they're going to be fine for that as well. Um, so that was kind of the choice on that. Cool. Whose bags um,
0: are you using?
1: <laughs> that's a really good question. I actually don't know yet.
0: Aha. Bag makers yeah, out there.
1: I know, right? So, I've got a mishmash of bike packing bags from all the stuff I've done over the years. Um, because my expeditions are so weird, I did I did one to Puerto Rico a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, solo, where I circumnavigated the Puerto Rican coastline with that Bike and Pack raft. Um, Because my expeditions are kind of weird, I've just always kind of had to use this mishmash of bags. So, I've got stuff from Rogue Panda. I've got stuff from Defiant Pack. I've got some stuff from Revelate. Um, what I actually think I need is a pair of paneers and a rack.
0: Mm.
1: I'm still yeah, Jury's actually still out on that and so I'm I'm definitely doing a lot of research on that. All right, well uh, I'll be
0: I'll be looking for pictures uh on that for yeah, sure because that's that's a big part of it and having an extra small frame even though the corvus has a really big uh triangle for the size frame it is it it does limit the amount but uh yeah, a rack, a rear rack and some yeah. 8 liter dry bag panniers. Yeah,
1: um, probably. Something somewhere amazing. around and there. I'll probably say, yeah, and you know, with the way we're doing the pack raft, like one of us will carry the pack raft and the other one will carry like the dry suits, the paddles, the PFDs, all that stuff. So yeah, it's going to be a big load. So I think I think the panniers are going to be helpful. Um, we're I always run uh, Fast Company handlebars. Do you know about those?
0: No. Tell me about so that.
1: Fast Company is, yeah, so they're, they're amazing. So they're a moto company that have just moved into mountain bike. And what they have is a handlebar that has elastomers in in both bars, and they just provide a little bit of articulation and a little bit of, like, micro-suspension for the hands and Mm -hmm. wrists and the elbows and shoulders, right? So, you know, both Rob and I, having been athletes our entire lives, have pretty crappy wrists, um, multiple crashes, you know, kayaking is hard on you. And so what these bars do is they really help take away that micro-trauma from all the you know, riding over the rocks and things like that. So we'll both be running those. Cool. Um, yeah, those are pretty rad. I ran those in the in the AZT 750 this past year, and I didn't have any hand or wrist issues. So. And you I, set the uh, record for
0: that race, if I remember correctly.
1: I yeah, I did. That's <laughs> it killer. was really fun. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a fan of those things. So um, the yeah. big and the I love, love backpack too. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, we're both running like 35 liter Osprey backpacks. So, lots of stuff on this
0: trip. Well, I'm sure you'll sell it along the way if you don't use it.
1: Yes. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? Or I, trade I mean, it. We'll, we trading. Totally, we won't have anything we don't use. But for uh, yak butter,
0: like, I didn't put any of my <laughs> any of my yak <laughs> questions in. But oh, uh, uh, Pakistan, India, and Nepal, tell us about this yeah. route.
1: Yeah. Okay. So routes are obviously quite loose. You know, we spent a ton of time planning and a ton of time drawing lines. I use Gaia GPS uh, and Google Earth to plan all my expeditions. And so, you know, we spent like hundreds of hours on this route. And at the same time, once we get on the ground, when we learn about weather conditions, uh, the terrain, you know, obviously there's a conflict going on right now over Kashmir between Pakistan and India so I don't know how close to the line of control between Pakistan and Kashmir we're going to be able to get. Um, but we basically made like a, a high route and a low route, which is going to be dependent on snow and weather. Mm-hmm. And so we're flying into Islamabad and we are riding up towards the Hunza Valley, um, Gilgit-Baltistan area, which is where a lot of the climbers go. Um, you know, the huge mountains are up there. It's the, basically the start of the Karakoram Range. And then we will be crossing through the Karakoram Range into the Himalayas. Our idea is to pack a uh, river called the Neelam River, which is basically going to bring us out of the Pakistani mountains down to the border at Lahore, which is where we'll cross into India. Now, this river is pretty close to the line of control, so that is a little bit up in the air. Uh, we do have contacts on the ground in Pakistan, and this is, this is so key. I mean, people ask me about expedition planning all the time, and one of the things I tell them is that having local contacts that are there every day is so, so key. So we've been talking to you know local friends. Uh, my good friend Doom Steve Fastbinder, he's been over to Pakistan a couple of years ago. Uh, he hooked me up with a good friend of his who's a guide, so he's been giving us some great information. Um, but the idea is to go down and then cross the border at Lahore, and then essentially ride back up into the Himalayas of India, uh, cross the Indian Himalayas, you know, trending north essentially, uh, north and east, and then packrafting the Sharda River, which is on the border of India and Nepal. All the way down to the border crossing at Boom, and then crossing the border into Nepal, and then riding back up into the mountains in Nepal, and then packrafting the Karnali River, mm-hmm. riding back up into the mountains again, and this time kind of touching the western points of you know the Annapurna Circuit that a lot of people ride, mm-hmm. um, ride excuse me, and you know doing some touring like just, just bikepacking around a little bit of the Dolpo region, the Lower Mustang region, and then packrafting the Kali River. Down into essentially the jungle where there's going to be all sorts of, you know, creatures and things, <laughs> and then uh, into Chitwan National Park, and then essentially riding to Kathmandu and flying home. Killer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's yeah, that's kind of the route in a nutshell. You know, and we've got lots of different options just depending on the weather and uh, and, and just local local knowledge on the ground when we get there. So yeah.
0: What an undertaking. Well, uh, I know. <laughs> how many how many languages do you speak?
1: Um, I only, well, I am very, very fluent in, um, English.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I like, I like I your accent, your English accent. Yeah, nice. totally.
1: It's, it's a good one. I've worked on it for a long time. <laughs> I've, I've lost my Minnesota, don't you know? you know, oh, I used to have that you have. Minnesota, Minnesota. You dropped
0: right back into um, it there.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, I do, I do speak Spanish. Um, I've done a few expeditions and spent some time living in Latin America. And so, uh, you know that as well. Rob also speaks Spanish. Neither of us speak Pakistani, um, but you know we can we can do some some miming and some some uh, what's that game that you do the body language to try to dictionary? No.
0: Uh, yeah, traits. uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, you know, I bet you, uh, I I will bet you a dollar that you learn some good swears in at least three or four languages.
1: Oh my gosh! Totally on I this trip. Sure yep. <laughs> yeah, that'll probably happen when we're pushing, you know, eighty to hundred pounds of load up the hike a bike. For <laughs> an hour. And you know, it's, it's funny. And then, raw, and
0: then somebody carrying like ten bales of, of baskets will ride by you on this oh, rickety yeah. one speed fixed gear bike, going like oh, yeah. swearing at you in in whatever language oh, of their choice.
1: Oh, totally. No, it's so funny. My, my very me. first expedition was, was fat biking in Guatemala, fat biking volcanoes. And the Mayan people, you know, they're very agricultural and they still do everything by hand. And so they carry, you know, wood on their heads, crops on their heads, these crazy, crazy loads. And so when they saw my, my partner and I hiking up these volcanoes with our fat bikes and our deer on our back, they just smile and they give us a thumbs up and they're like, Oh yeah. You know, like
0: it's totally normal for (laughs) that. So I I just have one more dad question. (laughs) So you're, you're, you're going down a big cat four rapid and you flip over and you have your two frames in front of you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you're going to be the front paddler and Mm -hmm. you have those chain rings pointed right at you. Do you have anything to protect that? Like, what happens when you go into the blender and you have pointy objects strapped to the top of the inflatable boat?
1: Yeah, totally. Well, so you try to keep the pointy objects away from the inflatable boat as well. Well, your
0: face, too, hopefully. <laughs> your face,
1: yeah, totally. No, I mean... I, like we take the pedals off when we mount the frame, mm-hmm. so that's not a big deal. Chain rings we'll probably cover honestly with just like duct tape or something, whatever's yeah. easy. Um, a big part of that is just strapping everything down really, really well. And I was actually answering a question about this that somebody asked me just the other day. Like, how do you strap your bike to the boat so that it's secure? And you know, I wrap the tires. I you like know, I trap. I, my gosh, I have so many freaking straps. Oh, yeah. So essentially, it's just strapping everything down really well, and then. If we flip, which obviously the idea is not to flip, right. but if we flip, it's really, really hard to flip a boat back over with bicycles on it. Yeah. Like it's it's dang, it's dang near impossible. So you know, at that point, the triage situation is just you know get get the bike, get the get the craft to shore, and right the boat there and, and get back in. Yeah.
0: Eddie so, out yeah, and it's, and it's reassemble. Certainly not
1: ideal. Gotcha. Yeah, but it's—I mean—it's—it's it's pretty much impossible to flip over a boat with bikes on board when you're in the river. So getting to shore. is easy.
0: This is where I could bring in more yak. You could—you could take some epoxy and yak hair and mold it into a uh, a guard for your chain ring for transport.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a really good idea. Maybe that'll be my my tent activity. There's going to be a lot of darkness, so maybe I'll braid a yak hair <laughs> chain guard, that's oh, yeah. a really uh, good chain
0: idea. ring koozie. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Totally, totally. Maybe I'll just braid yak hair gloves and yak hair, all the things. Good idea. Thank you for that.
0: No problem. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and, you know, yak milk on your cereal, yak butter. Oh, yeah. It goes on and on. Yeah,
1: yeah. you know, I've I've been trying to fatten both of us up for this trip because it's going to be so cold, and it's it's been a little bit bit hard without the yak butter. You know, eating normal sticks of butter, I mean, we do it, but it's kind of disgusting, so – Yeah. So
0: you leave soon. Uh, Yeah. Will you come back and give us a full report of how things went and compare compare and contrast yak dairy (laughs) with cow dairy products?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which stick of butter is more uh, feasible to just eat straight up? Definitely. I will give you the full report of that. Yeah, we'll be back uh, probably mid to late January. We don't actually have return flights. Um, but we're, we're thinking the trip's going to take us about two months. So, yeah, I'm sure there will be plenty of stories, you know, and, and that's the thing about these types of, of trips. Like, you can plan, you can prepare, and you can have a route, and then, you know, you just get there and see what happens, essentially. So, really, the, the most important thing is to be flexible and be creative and have a crap ton of patience and, uh, you know, just have a good sense of humor. And so, we're definitely looking forward to all the stories that are going to come out of this trip. And, uh, yeah, I will... I will keep you posted.
0: Right on. So uh, we'll, uh, we have, we're going to have show notes with a ton of links. that, uh, <laughs> And one of the things that I, that I hope that you can uh, give to us is a way for our listeners to follow the trip on the interwebs while you're out there and when you get back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we will definitely be posting real-time updates on social media. So my Instagram is at Eliza Sampy, e l i z a s a m p e y and my the website so we're going to be posting a lot of updates and, and stories on a page on my website so that is vitalmotionlife.com. and I think the link at the top is it says like current project or something like that and so cool. that's where and you know those of you
0: listening in a car don't don't try and write that down because we'll have it in the show notes <laughs> and you'll just be able to click on it and go right there and then bookmark it and then, you know, follow up with, uh, yeah to see the progress that Liz is making with her, uh, with her weaving of yak hair, etc. Yeah. <laughs>
1: totally.
0: All right. Well, thanks for coming on the program and uh, putting up with my foolishness. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was a good time. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Cool. And good luck. And, uh, Thank you. We'll talk to you when you get back.
1: Yeah, see you next time.
0: All right, take care. Bye. That's our show this week. Get out on the bike. Enjoy this beautiful weather.